you may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood, a murder investigation based upon a true story by private investigator Douglas J. Hagman. Using the character Mark Stiles, Hagman takes you on a journey behind the scenes where the homicide becomes a secondary to an underworld of satanic ritual abuse, child abduction, and even mind-controlled experimentation. A world dismissed as conspiracy by those who want to keep its secrets hidden, exposing the dangers, denials, and deceptions. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again. As Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some of the most powerful and influential people in his community and beyond. You may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by blood. Order your copy of this engaging novel today at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by blood. Gentlemen of the jury, the prosecution is not going to get that man today. No, because I'm going to get him. Welcome to this episode of the Hagman and Hagman Report. We're coming to you live from our radio and television studios located here in beautiful northwest Pennsylvania where we broadcast live weeknights, Monday through Friday, that is, 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on the Global Star Radio Network. Folks, uh, we are not broadcasting live on YouTube. Well, we are on YouTube just with a static image. Uh, Eric the Tech has taken ill. Ooh. Crisis, crisis for sure. Uh, so, you, you, although you cannot see us, you can certainly hear us via YouTube. When I say take an L, he's um, actually, I think he caught what his son has. And uh, it could be strep throat, it could be whatever, it could be just the gunkies, but he's out tonight. Uh, wish him well, please. Send him flowers from proflowers.com. Uh, send them best wishes. But we're also simulcast, ladies and gentlemen, on Blog Talk Radio, BTR. And, and as I said, ordinarily you could watch us live on YouTube, but not tonight. But we're still running live tonight uh, on YouTube nonetheless. And the links to each audio and video broadcasting venue can be found on our home base on the Internet at HagmanandHagman.com. And, and don't forget, folks, we do have two different websites, one for the show, which is HagmanandHagman.com, and the other for news and information, HagmanReport.com. Bookmark both, please. Did you hear Did you hear that tonight is the do-or-die, right, for the cruise? Or is it? It depends on who you ask. It depends on what you listen to. It depends on which side of the abyss you're on, <laughs> or so it seems. Folks, a portion of tonight's broadcast brought to you by Pro Flowers. My goodness, Mother's Day is coming upon us quickly. Your mom, your grandma, your wife, the mother of your children, that special someone, they all deserve flowers. Flowers just brighten up a person's day. Oh, the aroma of flowers, fresh flowers, just love that. Don't you? 
Well, we've got a special offer. You get 100 blooms of the free glass vase, 19.99 plus shipping and handling. And if you guys, if you really want to do it up, do it up really great. Make her day extra special. Upgrade to a premium vase and add gourmet chocolates for just 9.99 more. Go to proflowers.com today and use our code Hagman H A G. M-A-N-N, in the microphone box. More on that later. Yeah, we've got we've got several, well, certainly not a shortage of news, a lot of news to report on, to, to analyze, a lot of information. It seems like information overload, and we're going to be hitting so much content tonight. Just buckle up, put your seat backs and tray tables in their full upright and log position because we're going to be hitting some turbulence tonight to be certain. Want to remind others or everyone also that uh, portions of the nice broadcast brought to you by WholeTonesLive.com. WholeTonesLive.com. Have you done it yet, folks? Have you gone to WholeTonesLive.com? Have you downloaded their samples? Have you have have you experienced the healing frequencies, the frequencies that motivate you, the frequencies that quiet a, a troubled heart? Go to WholeTonesLive.com. WholeTonesLive.com. And there, download the free samples to see what we're talking about. Again, more on that later as well. Interesting news day to be sure. Tonight's the primary in Indiana. That's the big one. That's the, the one everyone's talking about. And of course, that's the one that they expect Cruz to not to make it and Trump to be the presumptive nominee on the Republican ticket here in, uh, nearby Cleveland at the convention, July 18th. We expect, by the way, folks, we do expect to be covering not the convention, but what happens outside of the convention during that time, possibly live, up close and personal. The reason? Well, the reason should be obvious. America is divided, isn't it? Two opposing camps. Seriously divided. Divided uh, along party lines in the Republican side, the right side, right? The right of center, and then, of course, the left of center. Divided as well. Possibly a contested convention there. If you care to believe that, I suggest, I submit that really... Believe a little of what you hear, especially from the establishment media, the corporate captured Illuminati mass controlled, Illuminati controlled mass media. So having said that, let's get right into the news. Oh, by the way, a programming note, uh, Stan is also off tonight, so it's just us in the darkness at the studio. No lights, no no cameras, just sound. So unless you're driving, unless you're in an office environment, dim the lights. Don't look at the the screen. Turn the sound up, and let's chat. Just just us. We'll chat. Joe, let's rock. 
Yeah, we got a lot to get into tonight. We have incoming results from Indiana, and uh, the first set of numbers are out. Trump is winning, or uh, I would say won the state. He, I think the first round incoming numbers is 55% Trump, 34% Cruz, and I don't have them in front of me. I just had to do a quick restart on my computer, and it's just coming back up now. But Glenn Beck today uh, made yeah. some comments. You know, he was sure uh, Ted Cruz is going to win Indiana. Um, I, I'm not so sure that's not a, a – or well, let me rephrase that. Is it possible? I'm not so sure anyone can predict – the Indiana primary numbers. And, and here's why I say that. Did you ever see, and I, I'm, I'm asking this question to our listeners, have you ever seen in person a gambling house, like a speakeasy, where the tables are weighted against the player? Have you ever seen one of those? All you do, all you need to do is see one and under, and, and see how they game the people walking in, how the dice are loaded, how the roulette wheel is fixed, how just the, the little things are tweaked because the house always wins. And the reason I say, uh, is it possible that Cruz could walk with, with the numbers tonight? Is is it possible that Cruz could win? Well, we're playing in a rigged atmosphere. And I don't know. And I think anyone who said, well, anyone who says that they're absolutely positive of the numbers, well, I don't think it's possible. See, when, when we... As investigators, and we had taken investigations, um, or when we had dealt, when we dealt with other investigators, let's say you're going to do, uh, let's say someone is going to perform surveillance on a subject, a target, a individual, and if they can, if they can pretty much tell you how how things are going to end up, then you know something is wrong because you don't know unless you do know something that others don't. So that's that's kind of where I'm at with this. And, and if you if you look at the um uh, I, you know what if you look at the if you look at what is happening out there in in the the political landscape you look at the pseudo intellectuals like George Will, Brett Hume, Juan Williams, the rotating army, the plethora of pseudo-intellectuals that form the establishment media on the right. And then, of course, on the left, you've got Tom Hartman and Amy Goodman and all of those people with Democracy Now! and MSNBC and other venues. Similar talking points, just different sides of the same coin, basically. But but it's all But we're all being gamed. And, you know, I, I just, looking at this, I just have a, I have a real issue. And I think by the time we get to July and we get to the 
convention, the Republican convention, and then the Democratic convention, I think that um, things are going to be changed here in America. I do believe that we are ripe for, uh, the potential is high for events to take place, false flag type events. I'm not saying they're going to happen. I'm saying that they're ripe. The the land is fertile. The ground is fertile for that. Um, what do you think, folks? I mean, in your, I don't expect an answer, obviously, but in your assessment, just sit back and think about it. In the quiet of the night or in the quiet of the morning, when you're reflecting on the events of the day, whether it's the day ahead or the day you just had, what do you think about? What do you consider? Aside from prayer, and what do you think about in terms of news? Do, 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 do you think? I mean, what is it? What are the things that are on your mind? Well, those are the issues. Those things are the very issues we want to hit, we want to talk about, we want to be right alongside with you and, and discuss the same issues that are, that are important to you. But um, but I, I, I do believe if things go according to at least what has been reported publicly, I, I do think Trump will walk out of Indiana, likely winning the state. But, you know, there was something that happened on Sunday. If you, if you listen to George Will on, on Fox News Sunday, Chris Wallace, George Will cited two different polls, and they were totally different in terms of the, the, the bottom lines. One had Trump just way ahead, and the other had Cruz just way ahead. They both can't be right. The reason I bring this up is because he was injecting, to me, in his own way, don't, don't, don't be so sure of yourself, in, in the manner in which he did. The way the way the way he said it. <clears throat> it, it sort of made me wonder if if he wasn't telegraphing some sort of message there. But we're going to be following the uh, the real time analysis, giving you real time analysis too of the Indiana primary as we see fit. It matters most, of course, to Cruz, who may finally end. Um, depending on what you believe, he might just say, "Okay, it's enough." much to the dismay of people such as Glenn Beck and those who support Glenn Beck. When, what do you think about Glenn Beck, the talk show host, going all in for Ted Cruz? Isn't that a little strange? Now, I, I don't know Glenn Beck, but I've had the opportunity to interact with him, dialogue with him. My question is, what happened here? I don't know the answer to that. I'm just I'm just asking rhetorically what happened. Um, but we will be walking you through the the uh, the the primaries as well. Now, one other thing that I think is important to to the to, to the current story it goes back in history. Donald Trump has spoken about Cruz's father. Of course, Ted Cruz, that's not his given name. 
That's the name he uses, but uh, Cruz's father. Um, was reportedly with Lee Harvey Oswald prior to Oswald's uh, incarceration, brief as it was. This according to Donald Trump, right? Have you seen that? That was brought up by Trump. And, of course, the source of that was actually a report uh, linked to InfoWars and Wayne Madsen. But there are questions about uh, the activities of Rafael Cruz Sr., the father of Ted Cruz, Rafael Cruz Jr., actually. Just so you know, his given name is not Ted, not Edward, but Rafael Cruz. Does that make a difference? In my view, it makes as much difference as Barack Hussein Obama versus Barry Satoro. I think it does make a difference. Anyway, I just, I wanted to bring that up. I don't know how many people are aware of that. So we'll be following the Indiana primaries as well. Yeah, and other news we're going to get into tonight. Uh, some stuff we didn't get to last night, uh, as well as, um, primary information, economic and political information. <clears throat> Yesterday, here's a story we didn't get to talk about too much. John Brennan, um, the head of the CIA, made a statement about the 9-11 report. And this has to do with the, uh, classified 28 pages of a 9-11 report that have um, linked Saudi Arabia to the terror attacks that happened on 9-11. Now, the CIA director came out and said the secret 28 pages in the 9-11 report are full of hearsay and inaccurate information. Um, Brennan, the CIA director on Sunday, said that the 28 classified pages of the 9-11 report uh, are uncorroborated, unvetted information. It says that some could seize upon the claim of Saudi Arabian involvement in the attacks. Brennan was speaking on Meet the Press, NBC show, and he said such claims would be very inaccurate. He goes on uh, during the interview and, <clears throat> you know, continues to to try to draw uh doubt and say you know, the, you know this is just a bunch of hearsay this is a bunch of nonsense there's no real evidence there's no real proof and it's not uh clear at all uh there's nothing here you know downplaying the 28 pages and why they were secret in the first place now remember Saudi Arabia threatened the United States last week or when this uh, came out in the public in recent weeks, with $750 billion pulling from our economy, $750 billion they have to pull from our economy, if not only if the 28 pages were unclassified, but if the uh, there's a bill in, in the House that would have allowed the families of the 9-11 Victims to sue the government of Saudi Arabia that the president said he would veto. So, uh, 
we can't forget either that Brennan had converted to Islam himself. Well, let's talk a little bit about John Brennan. Folks, it's important that we uncover, in my view anyway, that we, that we know everything we can about the officials, the people leading our country. John O. Brennan, the longtime CIA official with ties to the CIA official, uh, CIA that is. He served as a senior advisor to Barack Obama to the Renegades 2008 presidential campaign. Remember, Brennan was active um uh, well he, he was one of the people that was notified um of the passport break in but that put that aside for a moment in, in 2009 brendan said that he was pleased to see that, uh, that a lot of hezbollah individuals are in fact renouncing terrorism and violence and trying to participate in the political process in a very legitimate fashion basically what brendan did was was legitimize the terrorist group hezbollah and he believes that the tactics like waterboarding, of course, are inconsistent with our ideals as a nation, and they undermine our national security because they are recruitment bonanza for terrorists. Not because of that they're they're inhumane, but for other reasons. And he is very careful and has been on the record to explain that jihad means to purify oneself or to wage a holy struggle for a moral goal. Those are his words. And I'm quoting from Brennan. Jihad means, and I quote, to purify oneself or to wage a holy struggle for a moral goal. Those are the words of the current CIA director appointed by Barack Hussein Obama II, the renegade-in-chief, and approved by the, the traitors in Congress. Now, supports of he supports trials of Islamic terrorists in civilian courts rather than in military tribunals, um, uh, bringing him, bringing them over here. That's a that's an issue, a, a contentious issue. But if we are actually at war with is, Islamic terrorists, th- then would it not stand to reason that that we are consistent with the execution of that war? And he had um, certainly shown his colors in 2011 when he called for the FBI to completely eliminate its offensive curriculum and training manuals which made reference to jihad and radical Islam. He was involved in crafting the false talking points that Susan Rice, remember she was the Secretary of, um, Secretary of State uh, mouthpiece, Susan Rice, uh, or the uh, uh, UN, uh, yeah, uh, uh, the, the, the with regard to the terrorist attack in uh, in Benghazi, so he was behind that, and uh, uh, so he served Obama for a number of years, officially as the director of the CIA in 2013. He was born in New Jersey. He uh, spent some time. Um, he, well, he joined the CIA back in 1980. Uh, it's interesting. Even before that, let, let me go back just a tad before that. Uh, he was born in New Jersey back in 1955. He he got a BA in political science from Fordham. That's in New York City in 77. He got a master's in government from the University of Texas at Austin in 80. In his graduate thesis, Brennan denied the existence of, and I quote, absolute human rights and argued in favor of censorship by the Egyptian dictatorship about censorship of the press because they could be influential in 
determining the perception of the masses of the people. So he argued in favor of censorship. So he's not a First Amendment guy by any stretch of the imagination. According to his, his college thesis, and then he joined the CIA in 1980, apparently they liked what they saw, and um, he became a uh, uh, daily intelligence briefer for Clinton. That's William Jefferson. And according to one former CIA official, Brennan was instrumental in preventing an operation that would have killed or captured or otherwise neutralized Osama bin Laden in 1998. Instead, he advised the United States to, and I quote, trust the Saudis to handle Osama bin Laden. Need we go on? And don't forget, don't forget, he spent a lot of time over in Saudi Arabia, Brennan. Spent a ton of time there. And, um, well, just take a look at, just take a look at his, at, at his resume. Brennan, uh, Brennan has his hands on a lot of things, Islamic. In, in a, in a, in a uh, right about the time, sometime in 2010, Brennan had a very interesting meeting with the founder of MPAC. And I don't know how many people know about MPAC, but MPAC is the Muslim Public Affairs Council. He had a meeting with the founder of MPAC. And MPAC, this guy, this the head, views Hamas and Hezbollah as political and educational organizations, legitimate political organizations. And you need, when you start putting all of this together, <laughs> you can see that we've got, in my view anyway, in our view, a traitor, not only in the White House, but certainly a traitor, and of course, a man of questionable uh, integrity in, in the CIA. And John Guandalo, you know him, folks, a former Marine. He worked... Uh, for eight years in the FBI's counterterrorism division, became a favored whipping boy of right-wing uh, hate watch and organizations like that. In February 2013, Guandalo, he talked about the Muslim Brotherhood and the global sp- spread of Islam. He's the one, Joe, that said that Brennan had converted to Islam years earlier in Saudi Arabia. Brennan did convert to Islam when he served in an official capacity on behalf of the United States and Saudi Arabia. That fact alone is not what is most disturbing. His conversion was a culmination of a counterintelligence operation against him to recruit him. So the fact that the Foreign Intelligence Service operatives recruited Brennan when he was in the sensitive and senior U.S. government position on a foreign country means that he either is A, a traitor, or B, has the inability to discern and understand how to walk in those kinds of environments, which makes him completely unfit to be the director of the Central Intelligence Agency. Folks, you know this, maybe? Or if you don't, you do now. And, of course, the Senate in 2013, March 7, confirmed him for the position of CIA director by 63, by a vote of 63 to 34. And he was sworn into office, not, not on the Bible, 
but on a draft of the United States Constitution from 1787 before the Constitution, including the Bill of Rights. What does that mean? I don't know. But most, if, if nearly all CIA directors in the past have been sworn using a Bible. Why him? Why not? My question to you. And uh, Brendan, he's got a checkered past. But yeah, so, and, and also don't forget, Bush, during the 9-11 attacks, and, and we had gone over this before, the Saudis, the 28 pages, it's more than the 28 pages, it's the treatment by the Bush family, by the Bush dynasty, by the people around Bush, by the people around both Bushes, father and son, by the people around Obama, but in particular the meeting at the following the, the attacks, the 9-11 attacks, of the two, meeting two days after 9-11 on the Truman balcony that Bush had with the Saudis, when, um, at which time that no planes were flying except those ushering Saudis out of the country by two private investigators out of Tampa or out of Florida. That's right. When you and I could not fly, only the Saudi royals were, were flying the friendly skies of, 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 of the uh, United States. So there you have it. So the 28 pages, oh yeah, they're relevant. But how relevant are they? I mean, how more relevant can they be than the facts that are already before us? Well, there you go. Brennan also talked about ISIS, and he said it's not just an organization, it's a phenomenon. Also, during the Meet the Press interview, um, Brennan assured viewers that we will destroy ISIS, he says, I have no doubt in my mind. And it goes on, he goes on to say we have to remove the leadership that directs the organization to carry out these horrific attacks, and Brennan believes that it would have a tremendous effect on the terrorist group. And he mentions one person. If we got Baghdadi, I think it would have a great impact on the organization, and it would be felt by them. Brennan warned fighting ISIS has its unique challenges, but calling them not just an organization, uh, but a phenomenon. We know that ISIS is trying to carry out attacks in Europe and other parts of the globe. Also, they are working very closely with our European partners, he said. Brennan was careful not to oversell America's ability to affect change in the Middle East. As he said, the United States has only limited influence to shape events in the Middle East, and a lot of individuals think that the United States can wave a magic wand, and we can't. Um, he goes out there, and uh, this article goes back to the 9-11, and he's Again, he says uh, about the 9-11 attacks that the 28 pages that were classified has no evidence. They came out with a very clear judgment that there was no evidence that indicated the Saudi government as an institution or Saudi officials individually had provided financial support to al-Qaeda. I think some people may seize upon that uncorroborated, unvetted information to point to Saudi involvement, which I think would be pretty inaccurate, or very inaccurate, he continued. Um, and it goes on from there, uh, with ISIS, you know, he, uh, he's walking around, 
something that's not being asked by the uh, interviewer, which is, you know, we are told that we are fighting ISIS in the Middle East uh, from the arming of Syrian rebels in the beginning to now, you know, these airstrikes that are allegedly happening on a regular basis. Where's the proof that, one, we are engaged in a battle with ISIS in the Middle East? Where's the, uh, you know, when, when the Gulf War started? I remember I was, uh, with my dad. We were, it was at nighttime and we were watching the first nights of bombings of Iraq. In the oil fields. Operation uh, Desert, Desert Storm. Desert Shield turning yeah. to Desert Storm. Storm and Norman Schwarzkopf. Yep. And look at the, um, whether Osama bin Laden had any involvement in 9-11 or not, when they <laughs> officially killed him, uh, or allegedly officially killed him for the 11th time, uh, May 1st, uh, under Obama, um, I mean, that was celebrated. That was, you know, that was something the Americans came out with their flags and and cheered in front of the White House. It was a PR. I mean, they used every bit uh, in a PR spin to make Obama look good and make it look like the war on terror was, you know, uh, basically being resolved by this administration. When in reality, what is was being created was the culture for ISIS to be created. And, you know, there have been these beheading videos, and from what I understand, most of these videos, or the people who are beheading others in these videos, are from British intelligence and and London uh, MI5 guys. And this is just what has been reported on green screens um, you know there's a little actual evidence that shows that ISIS as an organization or a terror group could exist independently of any intelligence agency of any government in the world and what I'm saying is where is there a line is there an ISIS organization independent that sprung up a terrorist group a rebel group of Citizens, you know, under a Muslim cause uh, that started naturally, or is this a continuation of the war on terror? You know, uh, perpetual war for the sake of revenue generating for the rich here, because there always has to be an enemy. Uh, from you know the two world wars to the Cold War to uh, the war on terror, all these wars, I mean, in the war on terror, I mean, that's not even an enemy. So, right. I guess the question the terror is... Terror is a tactic, not a target, obviously. How much do we really know about what's what ISIS is and what they're doing, and how much influence uh, from intelligence agencies under the New World Order does ISIS have or how is ISIS run by intelligence agencies of governments maybe rogue or otherwise 
or is it an organic uh, mass murder cult? And then to further that, this war that we're fighting against them, the thousands of successful drone strikes, where's the evidence of that? I mean, there's a lot of questions here that we have to ask ourselves. There's terrorist attacks that have been happening all over the uh, European and Middle Eastern and Asian continents where ISIS claims credibility. But we never know for sure. There's no evidence presented. I guess re-looking at, at re-examining what we actually know is a good place to start. Uh, as time continues to go on, the weeks go by, I'm less convinced that ISIS is what we think it is. I'm, I'm not sure. Be, be, before and I you're taken out of context, more than that, yeah. well, I mean, before you get taken out of context, I think that, uh, uh, as we had said in programs past, uh, Islam has been weaponized. Islam was weaponized by the Nazis during World War II uh, because they could, because they couldn't weaponize Christianity. Islam was predisposed to violence, so they weaponized uh, Islam to go after Russia, in particular, go after the communists. And, of course, Brzezinski had done the same thing in 1978-79 with Carter, uh, even further weaponized uh, Islam to uh, against Russia in Afghanistan. Of course, the running joke is um, Afghanistan is Russian for Vietnam. And, and if you think about the, the whole process of how Islam uh, has been manipulated into and, and made into a weapon by the powers, you're, you will see very clearly, and I think without any doubt, that um, while there is and are terrorists, Muslim terrorists, while Islam is a terrorist organization based on the writings of the Quran and the Hadith, and then when you look at the different surahs that that promote violence, and I'm not I'm not saying that all of the Muslims act on this. I'm saying it's promoted within that ideology. Of course, they are going to use that to their advantage, the power brokers. So what is ISIS? ISIS is a well-funded, well-oiled operation, at least in my view, that has gotten its start really subsequent to the Arab Spring, cut its teeth on the Arab Spring, I suppose, and, and really became of age subsequent to Benghazi or concurrent with Benghazi. And to release, much like the 28 pages of the Saudi report, to release the information that report contains that would implicate the United States, uh, Saudi residents here in the United States and even in Saudi Arabia, you would find that the releasing the emails, all of them, and the various investigative findings about Benghazi, you would find our fingerprints or the fingerprints of the criminal cabal within the government all over uh, the backing of the wrong people. So um, just understand, folks, that what happened in Benghazi is not what, what's been reported is not what actually actually happened. There were two waves of attacks, and, and of course, Stevens did, did not die from smoke inhalation. He, he was brutally tortured and 
ultimately murdered by the terrorists. And, of course, the the groups that were involved in the Benghazi attacks were proxies of, of Russia in response to our arming the anti-Assad rebels via Turkey. So when you understand the... The, and, and I, we had this right away, days after the attacks in Benghazi. So when you understand the players and you understand the, the, the game plan, the playbook, then you, you can better see how Islam fits and ISIS fits into the larger picture. And I think that, you know, ISIS is, of course, you might not think, or it may, it may not be what it's purported to be, but it certainly is a weapon of the power elite to bring about change, and this will bring about the change for both uh, the religious government, or the religious uh, one world religion, because we they've got to outlaw all monotheistic religions to make them all compatible with the state religion, and that includes taking away, uh, defanging Islam, diluting Christianity and in, in Judaism in order to comport with their, 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 their uh, one world uh, religion. And that's 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 what uh, is taking place today. You, that's why you've got the Vatican meeting with with Muslim officials, meeting with uh, um, government officials here in the United States. So, and part and parcel to that, and the puzzle pieces to that as well, include the homosexual agenda and include the abortion agenda as well, because you've got to take away our moral compass out of the United States. You've got to make abortion okay, acceptable. You've got to make homosexual and transgendered and all these other perversions acceptable in this religion of the state in order to dilute Christianity and Judaism and, of course, defang Islam. And that's what's intended. And what better way to do it than weaponize Islam that would require a response by the governments in order to uh, to to uh, uh, take it down. This is what's happening. I mean, it, there's the game plan right there. In these dates, the, don't think these dates don't matter. We have a bunch of Luciferians in, in power, and of course. We just celebrated May Day, and, and not many people really understand what May Day is, May 1st, the, uh, the, on the satanic calendar. You, you need to understand that. And you need to understand all, everything that's happening with, with respect to uh, uh, the yeah, May, May 1st, 1776, was the uh, when the Illuminati, when Adam Weishaupt founded the Illuminati. And that was also the same year that America was founded uh, two separate events but um, there has been a lot of historical significance to the what the last 10 days of April through May, May 1st I mean you have you went through a, a short list off the top of your head last week from Oklahoma City to uh, Waco Texas to uh, I mean just so much so much history uh, Columbine uh, I think April 19th, and, and Maria Knies, the author of Prepare for Persecution, points this out that these are, as you just said, you know, high occult holidays. Uh, sure. sure. And that's why we see these events taking place in, you know, these certain time periods. Uh, yeah. 
something to always, you know, understand that there are forces out there unseen that um, they have their own ways. They have their own uh, rituals, and, and they are not nice. They are evil. I mean, on a regular day, 3,000 to 3,500 babies are killed uh, in satanic ritual killings through abortions. Imagine what they do on their holidays. Well, and and I think that uh, this is all part of what's what's taking place. That the uh, the dates they may not mean anything to us. I mean, we're not pagans, we're not druids, we're not satanists. So the dates don't mean anything to us. But but the uh, satanists, Luciferian, the people in power, they find meaning in these dates, and of course they use the dates for both a celebration. And, and as well as to enact certain certain things, and you know, from Hitler's birthday, for example, to the Feast of Beltane, and um, all of these have meaning. So you you need to understand that uh, what's really taking place now. NBC is now reporting that uh, Trump Standard. wins Indiana in a landslide. This is at, right now about as of uh, thirty-two minutes ago. We're looking at supposedly. Trump winning Indiana in a landslide. Uh, it's very interesting. The and on the various, <laughs> it, it, it this is what troubles me. If, if you've noticed, we have taken a different tactic with respect to the elections. We understand, at least I think we do. We understand that uh, that Trump reflects this desire by the average American on the conservative side. Trump reflects this desire to be strong and, and to uh, fight back, build a wall, do, do everything. I mean, he's saying everything right. Cruz, on the other hand, is taking a more moderate approach and is a favorite among the establishment Republicans. And, of course, he's got ties to, his wife has got ties to the big banks and what have you and Cruz himself when it when you really look at it with the intellectual honesty that it requires is Cruz even eligible as a candidate for the highest office in the land according to the United States Constitution and that's article 1 section 2 clause 5 is he eligible is he does he fit the Requirement of a natural-born citizen. I, I, hey, I think it's an important question because are we playing by the rules or are we just kind of winging it? But yet, no one wants to hear it because that kind of talk is just merely, um, just crazy talk, right? Oh, it's crazy talk. And and even if it's not crazy talk, people, especially on the on the conservative side, well, they'll say just like they did with Obama, let's. Let's talk about the, that's a distraction. Let's talk about the real issues. Okay. What's, so, why is it a distraction? Is it not a necessary conformance and compliance to the United States Constitution? It was not the intent of our founding fathers to avoid having foreign influence in the White House, the highest office in the land, based on the selection 
uh, of a natural-born citizen. I'm not talking about a naturalized citizen. And I'm not talking, I'm talking about a natural-born citizen. And I do know, and everyone knows, there's been numerous, many, 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 many conversations about what a natural-born citizen is. There's been uh, talk that, well, it's never really been decided. It's really never been challenged. But if you have to ask, isn't it worthy of an answer? And it's never been ruled upon with respect to Cruz or even Obama. No, it's never been decided by the Supreme Court, or the Supreme Court has never offered an opinion on Obama or this issue. So, having said all of that, uh, it's important. It's important because if we toss out one part of the Constitution, I mean, if, if we pick and choose what we're going to follow constitutionally, is that is that right? No, of course not. But having said all of that, it, it does appear that Cruz has taken, or uh, Trump has taken the, uh, uh, Trump has taken Indiana. But again, there, our, our approach to this is not, is not uh, making Donald Trump an icon or an idol or um, putting all of our faith in, in, in the man Donald Trump because I think that would be a very, very bad mistake with anybody short of Jesus Christ himself. And that's not being um, sacrilegious. I'm being very serious. Because there, there's not one person, one man, that's going to be able to, to, to get us out of this morass that we're in and this, this immorality that we're in. And people are, are, have this love affair uh, because of Trump, because of his, of his alpha male. I mean... People in America are hungry for leadership, and Trump at least exudes that leadership. But is it leadership or is it hubris? Or is it both? Um, I think we just have to watch, and I think we have to be a little bit more careful. And I think now, especially now, we need to be very careful, very circumspect. Does this mean that I'm anti-Trump? Absolutely not. I'm not at all. I'm just saying, let's just be very careful and be very, very cautious when we look at these individuals and place our faith, hope, and trust in these individuals to, to do the right thing. Because what is Trump's stand on abortion? He, he would have the ability, seemingly, to shut down every abortion mill as the chief executive. That's right, he could do that through federal executive fiat, I should say. But, you know, would he? Probably not. But anyway, I mean, there are a lot of issues. But um, I'm very concerned, and, and I guess this is just me. I'm very concerned that we, as a nation, the conservatives in this country, are placing their hope in the man that represents an ideology that does not contain... Uh, repentance that does not contain the morality, but does contain the, the certainly the right words, the right phrases, the, the catchphrases, the the aspects, the desirous aspects of a strong nation. Just be careful. Just be careful. That's all I'm saying. Just be careful. And that goes for anybody. 
That's that's it, really. And um, and on the, on the on the Democratic side, do you think that for one minute? And I'm asking this: Do you think for one minute that the that we as a nation, or the the left progressive Marxist left socialist Fabian socialist and communist would prevail Sanders over Trump, over uh, Clinton? I, I don't know. I, I I don't know. Is this country ready for an avowed socialist to be on the Democratic ticket? I suppose you've got a witch and a socialist in the form of Hillary, and then you've got a or a witch and a communist, and basically in the, in the form of Hillary. And I mean that sincerely. I, I'm not. That's not hyperbole. That's in my view, that's well researched, well re- well researched, and well founded information. And then you've got uh, Bernie Sanders, the socialist. And lastly, does it not does it not concern people out there? And shouldn't we be talking about this? That there is such a, a huge division between the right and the left, the progressives and the Fabian socialists and the well, we'll just we'll just say this: doesn't is it not concerning to people that there's a huge divide between the Republicans and Democrats? The, the the fictitious political paradigm, to the extent that we're seeing these anti-Trump, meaning anti-conservative people. And I know you're saying, wait a minute, you, you can't equate the two. I understand that. But for brevity, the anti-Trump people, the anti-conservative people, you're seeing them torch cars, turn over cars, assault others, and why? Why? What has this country seen this kind of behavior before? We have. It was during the Civil War. This, this, this is far beyond anything we saw during the 1960s. The racial riots. This is far beyond the uh, the uh, any of the riot activity. The anti-war demonstrations, even Kent State. This far exceeds that. And the tinder is quite dry. The fuse is short, and it has been lit. And I do believe that we will see things happen this summer that will set the stage for what will appear to be the solution. And I do believe that solution will be the yoke of tyranny on everybody. Just my two cents. We will be right back after this break. You're listening to the Hagman and Hagman Report on this Tuesday. Uh, don't forget, as we mentioned at the beginning of the show, Stan will not be joining us tonight. Keep him in your prayers, though. Uh, we'll be right back. Stay with us. This is the Global Star Radio Network. You may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood, a murder investigation based upon a true story by private investigator Douglas J. Hagman. Using the character Mark Stiles, Hagman takes you on a journey behind the scenes where the homicide becomes secondary to an underworld of satanic ritual abuse, child abduction, and even mind-controlled experimentation. A world dismissed as conspiracy by those who want to keep its secrets hidden. 
exposing the dangers, denials, and deceptions. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again. As Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some of the most powerful and influential people in his community and beyond, you may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood. Order your copy of this engaging novel today at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood. folks to this edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report coming to you live from our radio and television studios here in northwest Pennsylvania. Don't adjust your set. We're live on YouTube, but the image, well, the image is a static one because Eric the Tech is out ill, and uh, just keep him in your prayers because we need him. We need him to turn the dials, press the buttons, and all of the stuff that he does, my goodness, uh, keep us away from the buttons, but he's... Uh, um, he's uh, fighting off uh, the throat and, you know, the old uh, gunkiness, uh, flu-like uh, symptoms. Hopefully he'll be back tomorrow. Just a few announcements, uh, of course, as the show un- unfolds. We're covering a lot of topics, including but not limited to the primaries, the implications, the the uh, what, uh, what it appears will be taking place and shaping up for the summer. It's going to be a long, hot summer, uh, touching a little bit about what, uh, what we could see unfold as we get closer to the general election with respect to the activities surrounding uh, the, the political landscape. I also want to mention, um, if you live in the Twin Cities area tonight, tune in to Darkness Radio. That's uh, actually AM 1130 on your dial. Uh, Darkness Radio tonight. That's... Uh, uh, Actually, uh, I'll be on the, for two hours tonight, um, hours two and three of Darkness Radio on AM 1130. News Talk, Darkness Radio, the segment there uh, with uh, uh, Darkness Dave, actually. He was, a, he was a great host. He is a great host. Actually, he does, uh, he, he also, uh, uh, he hosts Coast to Coast AM at times during the weekend. So he, he's a, he's a kind of a great, he's a great guy. He does a great job on, on interviewing. But I'll be on the last two hours. So check it, tune in about 10 o'clock to midnight tonight. I believe that's the time or 11 to 1. I'm not exactly 100% sure on that. Can you believe that? It's the right before. But nonetheless, Darkness Radio, AM 1130. We're just go to Darkness, uh, uh, just go to darknessradio.com. I'll be talking about my book and some information that's not in the book. And don't forget, we still have the offer, too, at StandByBlood.com. If you want to click on that link or just go to StandByBlood.com, I still have uh, copies of my book. If you'd like to get it personalized and have me send it to you, I'll do that, get it right out to you. 
That's stainbyblood.com. Just proud to, just proud to, to mention that pro flowers can really, really help, help us all out. Guys, pro flowers can help us out for Mother's Day. Mother's Day is this weekend. Can you believe it? I mean, days away. It's just not too far away. And mom's always been there for us, hasn't she? She's never let us down. She does the cooking and the cleaning, and she gives you advice about your relationships, and she does I mean, moms are moms. Moms are so special. And that goes for, guys, it goes for your wives, the mother of your children. That goes for your sisters and everyone in your life, really. But Mother's Day is special for moms. Make it extra special like we have. Go to proflowers.com and use our microphone code Hagman. That's proflowers.com microphone Hagman. There for, for Mother's Day, you can get, you can get mom a hundred blooms. I mean, think about that. A hundred blooms with a free glass vase for $19.99 plus shipping and handling. Or you can add chocolates, gourmet chocolates, and they're delicious. My wife loves them. In a premium vase for just nine ninety nine more. Go to proflowers.com today. Use our code Hagman, H-A-G-M-A-N-N. You know, they take, really, they truly take the guesswork out of sending mom or grandma or your wife the perfect Mother's Day gift. You can't beat the price. You can't beat the convenience. Proflowers takes care of all of the details. You don't have to do anything. Just go to the website. Go to proflowers.com. And make sure you click on the microphone box, Hagman. They're guaranteed to be fresh and last, be beautiful for at least seven days, or your money back. I think ours are, my wife's are on day 12 now or 13, and they look as beautiful as the day she received them. Oh yes, we got the hundred, I got the hundred blooms for her as well, just to say thanks for putting up with me. Folks, Go right now to proflowers.com. You can do that and use our microphone code Hagman, or you can call 800-PRO-FLOWERS and mention Hagman, if you'd like to call them, to place your order. Or, as I said, visit proflowers.com. Click the blue microphone in the top right-hand corner. Type in Hagman. That's proflowers.com. Click on the microphone. Type in Hagman. Mother's Day is this weekend, so order today. Remember the offer under blooms with a free glass vase time's running out that that offer expires friday at midnight so go to proflowers.com microphone code hagman all right um let's get right back into news i wanted to hit this story this is the first thing i came across when i got up this morning court takes child from mother after she mentions chemtrails at school. This is from Boulder, Colorado. A Boulder, Colorado judge has removed a child from her mother, her mother's care, because the mother believes chemtrails are being sprayed into the atmosphere. Court documents reveal. Boulder judge D.D. Mallard told uh, Becca that 99% of people would know these are just contrails and said she's so immersed in fringe subculture that she's a danger to her daughter. 
I can now only see my daughter with a social security worker standing over me taking notes, and the judge said this was so that if I mentioned chemtrails, they would put a stop to it. Becca pointed out there has never been any neglect nor abuse or any allegations of either from the court or her daughter or their school. There have been no criminal charges and no protective service visits. She's being railroaded for her expressing her views on chemtrails, she says. And this is important because it sets a very dangerous precedent. The school helped uh, social services take their child away from this woman. It says an historic lawsuit has been filed in Canada in an effort to expose and halt the practice of chemtrails being sprayed into the atmosphere. The suit claims that the Canadian and U.S. governments are conducting geoengineering programs that aims to spray toxic substances and particles into the atmosphere endangering the lives of millions of citizens. Meanwhile, in Colorado, a judge has removed a child from her family home because her mother expresses her beliefs that chemtrails are being sprayed into the atmosphere. But what is shocking about this story is that, and this ties into to yesterday, uh, let's just say there, you know, there are no chemtrails, <laughs> that they're contrails. I mean, this lady is telling her daughter what she believes she is observing. And it's not something she is, you know, hallucinating or or she's not crazy uh, saying she has, you know, (laughs) an invisible best friend next to her. I mean, this is what it's coming down to in the United States. Taking a child away from a parent because of we'll call it conspiracy theories talking about conspiracy theories and at the same time while this is going on in in this uh, next piece is, is very important because this is what we're going to see happening on the mainland USA very soon uh, Democratic Attorney General targets 90 conservative groups in climate change racketeering suit. Uh, the Attorney General of the U.S. Virgin Islands is targeting dozens of conservatives and libertarian organizations in a racketeering lawsuit against ch- climate change skeptics. And it is increasing. Um, Goes, this article goes on to talk about uh, this is an effort to silence political op- opponents. In the subpoena issued in March, the office uh, U.S. VI Attorney General Claudette Walker demanded from ExxonMobil copies of communications between the oil company and 90 different political and policy organizations and any other organizations that engaged in research or advocacy concerning climate change or politics policies. The subpoena was part of a national coordinated legal campaign by state attorney general and left-wing advocacy groups to use the legal system against companies and organizations that disagree with the democratic policies to address global climate change. The existence of the subpoena was first reported by the Wall Street Journal in April. A newly released copy obtained by the Washington Free Beacon reveals the names of the organizations targeted in the effort, which had previously been redacted. Those organizations include some of the nation's preeminent 
conservative and libertarian nonprofit groups. The AG is requesting ExxonMobil communications with the Heritage Foundation, the Cato Institute, and the Federalist Society, the Hoover Institution, and many others. One target of the subpoena, the Libertarian Competitive Enterprise Institute, has already publicly responded to Walker. Its attorney called the Attorney General's subpoena a blatant attempt to intimidate and harass an organization for advocating views that you oppose. You demand, uh, your demand on CEI is offensive. It's un-American, it's unlawful, and it will not stand, wrote Andrew Grossman, an attorney with the Washington firm Baker Holster, which either uh, withdraw it or ex- expect to fight it. Walker's efforts will likely meet similar resistance from other organizations targeted by the subpoena, some of which have been made public lead, uh, in reference to its targeting of these groups. So we have uh, in the United States owned territory, Virgin Islands, a kind of what Loretta Lynch was saying in America, you know, we're going to have to figure a way to go after these climate change deniers. What was that, about three weeks ago? A month ago, maybe? Well, they're, they're testing it. They're beta testing it here. Trying to use uh, the their power over the justice systems to gather information on people that disagree with them in order to shut them down and <laughs> throw them in jail. Now, this all stemmed, this whole idea started as there was a meeting in January at a Rockefeller-owned, um, where is it here? At the Rockefeller-owned January 8th, the participants huddled at a meeting at the headquarters of the Rockefeller Family Fund, a left-wing foundation. At the meeting, RFF, Greenpeace, and other environmental groups discussed ways to delegitimize ExxonMobil as a political actor force officials to disassociate themselves from Exxon and drive disinvestment from Exxon, according to a copy of the meeting agenda obtained by the Washington Free Beacon. One strategy that activists discussed was to enlist like-minded state attorney generals to use their powers to go after those that disagree. It was interesting that you bring this up, because, folks, I don't know whether you saw this in the Washington Times yesterday. The Washington Times reporting in print, a national newspaper, about global warming. This is an article. Uh, well, actually, it has a publication date of today. I think it was, you know, it was, it was published, I guess, in today's print edition. It might have appeared yesterday in the electronic edition of the Washington Times, The Return of Pseudoscience by Richard Ron. Referencing this? Yes? No? Um, you, you were talking about the Post yeah. article. The, uh. Or the, uh, Post. The, no, the Washington Free Beacon. Or the Free Beacon. That's right. Okay. Well, this um, astounded me because the global warming industry lashes out in defense of its funding. 
It's interesting. Uh, this article by Richard W. Ron. Folks, pay attention to this, the return of pseudoscience in the Washington Times itself. Here's the deal. Here's what the, here's what the article says, because this gives you insight now into the globalist, well, the globalist aspect of, of this, okay? Here's what the article says. It says, this past month, I received an email from a European friend, parentheses, who's got a doctorate in chemistry, saying, Dear Richard, now again, remember, this is written by Dr. Richard W. Ron. Dear Richard, now you're a member of this illustrious club, exclamation point. I'm beginning to be afraid. What's going on? It seems that my name had been put on a global warming disinformation database. The author writes, this past Saturday, the Wall Street Journal, in its lead editorial on the climate police, now the climate police in quotation marks, noted that the Attorney General of the U.S. Virgin Islands has demanded that the Competitive Enterprise Institute, the CEI, cough up a decade of emails and policy work, as well as a list of private donors, parenthetically now, as if the First Amendment did not exist, because the Institute had the audacity to question. New York Attorney General is referenced here invited more than a dozen state attorneys general to join them in investigating fossil fuel companies. Notice the wording here, fossil fuel companies. Fossil fuel, are, are we talking about oil? Is oil a fossil fuel? Well, at least in this article it is. Uh, but the uh, the New York attorney general has invited more than a dozen states attorneys general to join them in investigating fossil fuel companies and their donations because why? Because they raised questions about some of the science used by the global warming lobby. Gore joined him at the press conference. This is the same Al Gore who told everybody back in January of 2006 that unless we took drastic measures drastic measures of course to reduce greenhouse gases in only 10 years, the Earth would reach a point of no return. Gore told us that the Arctic Ocean would be largely free of sea ice by 2010. Now, the last time we checked, ice still there? <laughs> now, the author writes, what is going on is nothing more than modern, modern day, uh, uh, lysenkoism. This is after Lysenko. Trof, uh, I'm going to try to try to get this right here. Uh, Trof and Lysenko. Now, now he, he's the guy that rejected the uh, Mendelian uh, inheritance and the evolutionary theory of natural selection. He believed that the he believed that acquired characteristics of a plant, for example, grafting of fruit trees would be inherited by later generations. Lysenko was able to win his arguments by empirical evidence or sound theory, but since Stalin liked his ideas, it was made illegal to have any other opinion. Hence the term Lysenko, Lysenkoism. Um, so, finally, after the changes in the Soviet leadership, a physicist by the name of uh, Andrei Sakharov spoke out against Lysenko in the General Assembly of the Academy of Sciences in 64, that's 1964. 
saying that he's responsible for the shameful backwardness of the Soviet biology and genetics in particular for the dissemination of pseudoscientific views for adventurism and such, and I can go on and on and on. But but the takeaway from this is the global warning, warming uh, lie is coming apart at the seams. And now the question is, is who's funding this? And what's this all about? Well, they need, they, the globalists need global warming to convince you and I and everyone else that unless we reduce our carbon emissions, drive less, use less, consume less fuel, then, of course, we're all dead. So this gives uh, a moral imperative to the unwashed masses to move into containers, to bicycle their way to work if they are lucky enough to have a job, or better yet, um, yeah, don't eat, uh, don't eat cows, or you know, just stay away from all that because, well, we need to save the planet. But this goes to Earth worship. This goes to Gaia worship. It is a plank of the Communist Manifesto, which is one of the Trojan horses of the globalist agenda. So this is how this global warming fits in. If you are in favor, if you've got money and you're in favor of um, climate control initiatives that include global warming, then, of course, you are in favor of a new world order and, of course, making the mother, having the mother earth as the your goddess. And this is all about earth worship. Don't forget Earth Day, April 22nd, when it was, it happened to be my birthday, but uh, it's 74, 75, when it first started. And and it all springs from earth worship. It all springs from this guy worship. It all springs from the Mother Earth. And, of course, it's a cult in nature. So, um, anyway, before, I just want to say one thing, too. Also appearing in the mainstream media, um, at least referenced, I'm not going to say appeared, Benghazi news. Because remember what we were talking about earlier. Uh, one email in the latest batch of emails from Hillary Diane Rodham Clinton released under a Freedom of Information Act request shows very clearly that the plot to cover up the real cause of Benghazi, that that attack that killed Stevens and three others, began in the White House and was undertaken just to make Obama look good during an election cycle. You talk about making something political, how shameful. See, other emails and memos had shown that the State Department under Clinton, as well as other agencies, knew while the attack was happening, that it was being led by at least two terrorist groups, and they had been planning this attack for some time. Okay? They knew about this, yet they did nothing about it, instead blaming it on, of course, the spontaneous obscure Internet video. And we had the spokesperson for the filmmaker of that video on our program. Now, let me say flat out when we had him on our program. The pre-interview that we did with him did not match the interview on air that we did with him. And quite frankly, that interview stunk to high Mm -hmm. heaven. 
It stunk to high heaven. And his name was Stephen Klein. Yeah, I had a lot to say off air, but when we got on there, he really just changed his tune and, and yep said as little as he could. See, you know what, Joe, the time is late. And we have to start, I mean, we need to start calling these people out. And Stephen Klein, if you're listening, and I doubt that you are, but if you are listening, I welcome you to call in and uh, perhaps rethink and restate what you said during that interview. It was interesting how we came about that interview and how that whole thing came about. And we were gamed. We were gamed, or at least he attempted to game us. I think we cut that interview short by memory. I, I can't believe we, we, we were gracious to him. But, but see, the, the fact is this. The video itself can be traced back to John O. Brennan, circling back to what we started out our program with. John O. Brennan, the head of the CIA, and of course during his time as the security advisor to Obama, headed uh, headed his own private security firm, worked with another security firm as well, and the distribution of that film, The Innocence of Muslims, the iterations and the people involved all led to the CIA. Yes. <laughs> so now these emails are coming out, uh, the Clinton emails. Now they're coming out and they're, they're proving what we have been saying for quite some time. I think the National Enquirer picked up on this a few days ago. The headline from one of its recent articles uh, sociopath Hillary, Hillary Clinton's uh, secret psych files exposed. Wait, wait a second. You know what's sad? You said sociopath. I immediately knew who you were talking about. <laughs> um, the, as I said, this from the National Enquirer. Uh, while they secretly suffer from insecurity, shame, and humiliation, they often demand special treatment <laughs> and become impatient and angry when they don't get it. Express, expressed one mental health official. And this is talking about, um, I mean, this is a, uh, I gotta go slide by slide almost. New York psychotherapist Gilda Carley, author of Don't Bet on the Pri- uh, Prince, noted Hillary appears to have an inflated sense of self-importance and a problem fitting in with regular people. Hillary appears insecure in certain Social interactions, like when she's on TV talk shows hosted by other women, she has trouble being a girl's girl. Instead, she appears uncomfortable and awkward. Um, and this goes through uh, a whole bunch of notes and, and different things about Hillary Clinton. Basically, boils down to um, being <laughs> she's basically a, a, a sociopath. Out of her mind. By, 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 by definition. <laughs> by, de- I mean, yes, yes, yes. And she also, um, had come out and uh, said the FBI had not contacted her. And, uh, you know, the, what, what's the status of the investigation into her, her private emails? Um, it's just obviously, there is something very wrong with this presidential race. 
from the correspondence dinner jokes that Obama made referencing the next president being a woman or that Hillary Clinton was going to win to her laughing in response to a question about possible indictments. Mm-hmm. I mean, just ladies and gentlemen, think of it like this. Uh, put yourself in her shoes just for one second. Oh, the say what, that si- size eleven double D's. You, you're, you're, you know, you're guilty of a crime. And just for the sake of of this uh, little scenario, we won't mm-hmm. even take it to treason. We'll just say, you know, uh, mishandling of classified information, whatever charge that warrants. And you know you're guilty of it. And you sit down, and you're in a, a public arena, you're being interviewed. Your interview is going to go across national television for the world to see as you run in an election to become president on the Democratic side. Mm-hmm. You're asked if you if you you are asked by the interviewer if you're concerned with an investigation, an ongoing investigation about you. Which it, uh, the the information has already been public. She's done. She broke the law. And she did so knowingly. And she laughs uh, about being asked if she's worried about an indictment. I mean, anybody asked, anybody who's broken the law, who's been asked a question if they're worried about an indictment, you would have to be a sociopath or a psychopath. Either that or be so self-assured that there's nothing coming down to... Or you're just out of your mind. Well, that too, or or I don't think any of those are mutually exclusive. You know, you can be all of the above, but yeah, yeah. It's just um, you're right. I don't know. We're in definitely a very special time, and the title of, of the show tonight was uh, "The Perfect Storm." Um, and you know, we look at the we're looking at the today the primaries, the political theater side. Uh, the perfect storm, or the reference there is to the times we live in, the end times. Um, well, even the Kurt Schilling, days. even Kurt Schilling said, "Did he?" Well, uh, that might have been an off-air conversation, but but I, I don't think he'd mind. I mean, he even senses, according to to his statement, that he believes it. You know, we could very well be living in in the last days and days, and I, th- I think that evidence, uh, anecdotal evidence, he said, uh, you know, supports that. Yep, absolutely. And again, the uh, the perfect storm, this being the uh, bringing about the in, envisioning and bringing about the ancient hope. And I'll say ancient because I'm using their words, not mine. Uh, from George Bush to J- Kennedy. Um, if you, when you go to Texas and you get to Dealey Plaza, you can read the inscription that Kennedy was going to read at the speech he never gave in Dallas that talks about through goodwill and uh, forming a a new world order yeah. out of goodwill. Yep. Yeah. As an not a new initiative, but as an ancient one, and that ancient initiative was the Tower of Babel. 
Now, it's no coincidence that the United Nations, and I just want to read the United Nations Agenda 2030, Transforming Our World, the 2030 Agenda for Sustainable Development. And this is the preamble. This agenda is a plan of action for people, planet, and prosperity. It seeks to strengthen universal peace and larger freedom. We recognize that eradicating poverty in all its forms and dimensions, including extreme poverty, is the greatest global challenge and an indispensable requirement for sustainable development. All countries and all stakeholders acting in collaborative partnership will implement this plan. We are resolved to be free we are resolved to free the human race from the tyranny of poverty and want to heal the secure, heal and secure our planet. We are determined to take the bold, transformative steps which are urgently needed to shift the world on a sustainable, resilient path. As we embark on this collective journey, we pledge no one will be left behind. And you know what the, that means. That doesn't mean no one will be left behind as in um, they'll slip through the crack. They mean nobody will be outside of their system. It's a global effort, a global initiative, and in order to build and achieve this global initiative, they need the uh, cooperation of all the global citizens. This comes back around to Obamacare and the Mark of the Beast and the utopia, scientific dictatorship and utopia that they are trying to create. They want a new world order. We know the new world order is driven by the kingdom of darkness and and the devil. We know that it is the antichrist system that will be here when the antichrist comes on the scene. It's a global system. It's a one world system where there is no room for an individual, only the collective. Individuals will be sacrificed or um, uh, destroyed for the, the betterment of the collective. And there is no class lines. There is no racial lines. There's only the controlled and the controllers. Everybody else will have to have an active role for the uh, state or for the utopia. You have to be useful and engaged. And that could be as engaged, could be as uh, minimal as a device implanted on you or put on you that monitors, you know, where you are and what your intake of any substances and uh, to... You know, everybody uh, having an assigned job, working for what, uh, whatever scraps they'll get. But there won't be, nobody will make more than anybody else. Everybody will be paid the same. Everybody will have the same size house. Okay, Bernie. It's like prison. It's just like jail. But this is what this, the UN, through the, I'll just say, American foreign policy leaders over the last 50 years, have, have created through the spiritual darkness. 
And yesterday we talked about the apathy and the incrementalism or subtlety in which the uh, societal changes have and cultural changes have entered and, and have destroyed morality. And you look at the church and it's in such a, a destroyed state today and, you know, people, um, they play church. They don't have Jesus in their hearts. And it's, uh, it's right around the corner. I mean, this perfect storm that has been, it's unnatural. It's been formed. It's a, it's a, what we would call, you know, what we see in our real world, how they are, you know, the Sandy, Hurricane Sandy, how it took that never before seen hook. And don't forget the hurricane, uh, the the 9-11 that never happened. Yeah. uh, It's a manipulated storm. And what, what they're going to do here is they're, they say they're going to foster peace. This is the peace and security. The only, and this goes back to the jail reference. That this is how they keep everybody equal and peace through peace and security. You have, you all make the same amount. You all have the same size houses. I mean, everything is equal and it is basically a hive mind. Uh, you know, I was watching a YouTube video today and I've seen, uh, I've seen it said a hundred different ways, a hundred different times, thousands of different times about, you know, this new consciousness, uh, merging technology with humans. Of course. Yes. Connecting to the hive mind. Well, the transhumanism and it, perfected. It, and it just hit me and like a ton of bricks, even though I already had understood it of how close we actually are. To the end of this world as uh, as we know it, but but, but see, p- people, you know, p- people don't realize that. Uh, it's unfortunate, I mean, but we, they don't. We are one disaster away. We're one excuse or justification from the elite. All they need is one reason to say, okay, you know, yeah. this is it. Yeah. Everybody, get in line. You know, we're getting, basically, you know, we're we're creating the zoo. We're the zookeepers. You all are going to get tagged and bagged and put in your uh, cells until we need you to work for us. And those of you we can't use, you're you're going to be terminated. Those of you who uh, want to be individual, want to uh, keep your faith in Jesus, well, we don't need you. You're not, I mean, the new world order, this is why we see the people saying that uh, we have to be more tolerant and we have to be more inclusive. But it's for a society that will be intolerant. And yeah, it's, will be, it's, uh, tolerance is, is, we are a country of, of, uh, we, we don't have a tolerance or an intolerance problem. We have a problem with tolerance. We tolerate, tolerate too much. Absolutely. And they talk about, you know, having communities free from violence and from the fear of violence. And how how do they do that? They say, how can we ensure that all human beings can enjoy a (laughs) prosperous and fulfilling lives? 
and that economic, social, and technical progress occurs in harmony with nature. How can we establish peace? How can we, um, and they say they do this through partnerships. On a spirit of goodwill and global solidarity, they will ask for participation of all people, of all countries, to integrate and integrate with nature for the sustainable development goals are of crucial importance ensuring that our purpose of the new agenda is realized. It goes on to make a declaration. Uh, this is from uh, the declaration from September 27, 2015 on the UN, and that they say they served a better humanity for a person-centric set of universal and transformative goals and targets. They commit themselves for the f- working tirelessly for the full implementation of this agenda. They understand that eradicating poverty is, is uh, a hard goal, but they are committed to achieving it, they say. But bottom line, they say they embark on this collective journey where no one will be ne- left behind, recognizing that dignity of the human person is fundamental. And this agenda is unprecedented in scope. It's accepted by all countries, and it is acceptable to all. It won't matter about national nationalities. Yep, um, that's right. It won't matter about politics or priorities. These are now universal goals and targets, which will involve the entire world, developed in developing countries. It goes on to say that the goals and targets are the result of. Uh, all this collaborative work between nations through the United Nations that equal uh, their vision, and their vision is a trans, a new world that has transformed, uh, free of poverty, hunger, disease, and want, where life can thrive, a world free of violence, a world of universal literacy, a world with equitable and universal access to education, health social protection, where physical, mental, and social well-being are assured, a world where communities regard the human right to safe drinking water. Uh, It goes on. Um, It says that it's going to be a world where every woman and girl enjoys full gender equality and all legal, social, and economic barriers to their empowerment will be removed. It is a tolerant, open, socially inclusive world in which the needs of most of the world's vulnerable are met. Yep. You, you know, all of this fits together nicely. Um, one book that we have here in the studio in the office is, uh, uh, was written by university professor Carol Quigley. Yep. 1,300-page treaties. Ways, you know, we could use it as a doorstop. It's called Tra- Tragedy and Hope. And folks... The the blueprint for all of this is somewhat summar not summarized, but in some cases detailed, in other cases summarized in that book. But earlier in our conversation, as we're approaching here in the quarter hour to to the top, uh, I just want to mention this because we had talked about the um, the dates being important to to the to the people, as you had talked about, and how all of this fits together. And we had just uh, we 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 had just we have just completed. We're at the at the. 
I should say we're at the culmination of this 13-day period uh, that marks Beltane, May 1st, May Day, and uh, overlaps into the days two and three after May 1st. But uh, the dates in April, you had referenced it, and I had notes on it, and just kind of let me uh, here give you, I'm going to toss a few dates out here because this is important, and this does kind of tie up and goes to the larger picture, but, but consider the significance because numbers are important to the Luciferian world elite, to the globalists, the people who are making the rules, whether it's in healthcare, whether it's transhumanism, whether it's, it doesn't matter, banking and finance, because significant dates are used to curry favor with interdimensional agencies as well as communicate their presence of their unseen hand. Now, consider this, folks, between April 18th, 19th, and 20th, during that span, throughout history. These dates have always been important to these Luciferians, the, the people who, and you can mark these down, take a note of these dates, because you're going to see that come up and again, uh, come up again and again. And if you look at this span, as of last month, consider what the headlines were during those dates of April 19th through, or 19th, 20th, 18th, 19th, and 20th, inclusive. Now consider this: when you when you look back in history, it was the for the Jesuits, uh, April 19th, 1541, was the day that Ignatius Loyola became the Superior General, the first Superior General of the Jesuits. And 21st of April, 753 B.C. Now, you have to make accounts for the change in calendars and such, but Rome was... Rome, you know, Rome, the city of Rome, was considered to be founded... And this is during the shepherd, uh, the festival of the shepherd god, Palus. Now, April twentieth, fifty, or uh, I'm sorry, April twentieth, five seventy one A.D. Many people believe that's when Islam's Muhammad was born. That's April twentieth, five seventy one A.D. And it's interesting, Muhammad would share the birthday of Adolf Hitler, of course, being born April twentieth of eighteen eighty nine. And we know that Hitler's birthday is celebrated by Nazis all over the, the world. 19th of April, 1775, was the first shot at Lexington in the Revolutionary War. And, of course, 19 April, 1933, and you had mentioned this during an earlier program. That's when FDR, Franklin Roosevelt, took America off the gold standard. And then that period between 17th, through the 19th inclusive of April 1961. Folks, do you remember what happened during that, that time period? In 61? Yeah. April something. You, you were only nothing, right? Yeah. Uh, no, that was the uh, failed Bay of Pigs invasion of Cuba, that much uh, contro- controversial operation. And then April 19th, 1982, NASA declares Sally Ride as an astronaut. Not because she's qualified, but because she's a woman. And then seven years later, April 19th, 1989, uh, USS Iowa, there was a, there was a sacrifice there of 45 lives, 45 sailors when the 16th, number 16 turret, or I'm sorry, 16th 
turret number two exploded on the USS Iowa. That, that killed 45 sailors. Many people forget about that. But many people also understand the ritualistic nature of, of bloodshed during this time period. And, of course, the old familiar incidents, the raid at uh, Waco on April 19th, 1993, and April 19th, 1995, when 171, not 168, but 171, that includes three unborn children. 168 plus three unborn children, 171 people died in Oklahoma City, the Murrah Building. And then 19, or 10 years later, in 2005, that's when Cardinal Joseph Ratzinger became Pope Benedict XVI. That was on April 19th of 05, and then five years later, on April 20th. 2010. Folks, you remember what happened just really six years ago? April 20th, 2010? BP's Deepwater Horizon explodes. Do you know that that killed 10 or 11 people? And spilled tens of thousands. Well, killed countless animals, sea life in the Gulf. The reason I brought this up, beginning back to Carol Quigley, he, he points out in his, uh, in his book, Tragedy and Hope, how, um, really the origins of the, of the banking cartels, banking family cartels on this, he talks about the secret control of nations by central banks. I mean, he admits this in this treatise. But the reason I mention this is because Bill Clinton was a student follower of Carol Quigley and a reader. And and if you look in his book, which we have here on page 968, Quigley mentions the connection of finance from London to New York that penetrated deeply into university life, the press, and the practice of foreign policy. And he states that if there's any secret organization that has its hands deeply in the university life, extending out to foreign policy, it is the company of Loyola, meaning the Jesuits, meaning, of course, that there was the secret power structure, and that power structure being being founded by the Jesuits, um, was extremely and is extremely relevant to today. In 1992, Bill Clinton, he would thank Carol Quigley in his speech of acceptance to run for the presidency of the United States, citing Quigley as being a, as being a, a well, his mentor and inspiration. The reason, again, this is important. Jesuits, the institution of, of the Jesuits, the direct line of Empowerment and empowerment between George Bush, Bill Clinton, George Bush, both of them, to today. As documented by a reporter for the San Jose Mercury News, Gary Webb. Okay. Gary Webb. Um, and very, just very quickly, and then I know because we're getting to the top of the hour, but I just want to finish this off by saying that Webb uh, made front page headlines by covering the story of a convicted drug trafficker who began racking up lawsuit wins based on the idea that 
being in prison and having property confiscated was judicial double jeopardy. So you know the whole thing under that began under Clinton about uh, you get stopped, you get found uh, to have drugs, you have yeah, money you in your, your car. Bang. There you go, bada bing, bada bang. Well, uh, Gary Webb uh, talked out against this, wrote out about it. He was a reporter. He got deep into this whole thing, and uh, it's interesting because. The, the story is very interesting. If you if you do a if you do a really in depth search on Gary Webb, uh, he talks about uh, uh, he talks about uh, uh, retu- re- the prospects of returning billions of dollars and seized property um, to, to to people. And the reason I bring this up again, and I, and I want to be quick about this, is because when you start following the when you start seeing the cast of characters here from Clinton. To the current day, and I and I, I'm gonna be quick because we're at the top of the hour, and we look at today as being perhaps a, the the final day for certain candidates in the in the presidential election, or the marking of the final day. Follow the lineage, follow, start connecting the dots, start understanding the relationships between the establishment Republicans, the establishment Democrats, or the establishment progressives and those in power on the right as well, and begin connecting the dots between all of these people. Look back to the recent past. Look back to the even more distant past. You can go back uh, really thousands of years, but you begin to see a pattern, whether it's a pattern with dates, a pattern of events, a pattern of, of bloodlines, a pattern of power. The patterns are there. All we have to do is extend our lines beyond the dots as we draw in this picture. We can do that, and we are doing that via this program. All right. I'm looking up for the clock that's usually on the screen. Yeah, Eric that's, usually keys that up. We miss Eric. Eric, if you're listening, we miss you, buddy. Yeah, if you if you can tell by our... <laughs> our uh, there we go. Flow and information here. Uh, there is the music that cues us out. There Folks, we we're going to be back with our third and final hour. And uh, stay with us. More to we got come. some more, more to headlines, come. and we'll get into some some more uh, in more detail with some of these serious issues. We'll be right back. Again, looks like Donald Trump wins Indiana, and Bernie Sanders on the Democratic side. This is the Global Star Radio Network. You may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood, a murder investigation based upon a true story by private investigator Douglas J. Hagman. Using the character Mark Stiles, Hagman takes you on a journey behind the scenes where the homicide becomes a secondary to an underworld of satanic ritual abuse, child abduction, and even mind-controlled experimentation. A world dismissed as conspiracy by those who want to keep its secrets hidden. Exposing the dangers, denials, and deceptions. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again. As Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some of the most powerful and influential people in his community and beyond. You may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood. Order your copy of this engaging novel today at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood.
Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to our third and final hour on this Tuesday edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report. Usually we'd have Stan Dale with us on each and every Tuesday, but as I said earlier, he will not be with us tonight. And keep him in your prayers. He's all right. He's just in a lot of pain. I think he mentioned uh, off-air he he took a, a fall uh, last week. Yeah, I think he mentioned on there. Yeah, I'm not sure if he did or not on yeah. air, but I know he mentioned it at least off air. And uh, that area of his body uh, where the, he's had that pain in the yep. seeing the yep. thoracic surgeon. Uh, yep. that it's the same. It's flaring up, acting up again. That's you know. We, yeah, we need to keep saying in our prayers and Stan and Holly they're great people and they're a couple that we admire a lot um, they're they're just I mean they're just great people so please folks keep them in your prayers send Stan a, an email of well wishing of well wishes they always appreciate that Stan and Holly they're they're great people and, and certainly um, we hope to have them back on next week now Remember, I had mentioned something that we're doing here in the studio, something that I'm doing in my office, something that that actually we have in our home, and even our dog, our studio dog, Lady, loves it. That's WholeTonesLive.com, the music of Whole Tones. You know, you can go to WholeTonesLive.com and download free samples of the different frequencies. Michael Terrell was on our program here not too long ago. Actually, he appeared twice and explained how he uh, developed or isolated and, and produced the music of King David. Um, and we've gotten so many emails from people who's, who said, you know, this collection of music that Michael Terrell has put together, depending on my mood, for example, it'll... It, helps us reduce stress it helps us to sleep it helps us to do a lot of different things so there are a lot of applications for the music of whole tones live if you go to wholetoneslive.com you can read all about the the background of this music you can read about how this how michael terrell had came about to discover the 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 the, the frequency the use of frequency for healing and for all of these different uh uh, applications and again we've gotten so many so many good emails about about the music but we use it here in the studio uh, it, it calms us it, it, it allows us to focus my wife uses wholetoneslive.com for sleep and, and our dog just she just loves it uh, she's got a routine if you can believe this our, our studio dog has a, has a routine at home after we get leave the studio. We get home and she jumps out of the truck, jumps up into the into the kitchen, and she um, gets her little snack. Depending on what you know what it is, she'll get her snack. She'll grab her bone. She'll go in and jump on the bed. Now this is usually at night, and the music goes on. All the music goes on. And within minutes, she is on her back, on a Casper mattress, no less, sound asleep. And my wife is not far behind. 
WholeTonesLive.com. WholeTonesLive.com. Go to the website, download a free sample of WholeTonesLive.com. Support this broadcast. Go to WholeTonesLive.com. That's W-H-O-L-E, ToneslLive.com. And as I like to say sometimes, you can thank us later. You know, voting fraud activist Gary Welsh remembered, does that name sound familiar? He tipped off InfoWars Wayne Madsen on Marco Rubio's foam sex parties. Remember Bubbles Rubio? Maybe that's an unfair characterization. Well, guess what? Gary Welsh was found dead here just on May 1st. Uh, it was quickly, <laughs> police found Welsh's body in, in the car, apartment complex stairwell in Indianapolis on May 1st. Gee, May 1st. And they quickly ruled it a suicide. Now he was a pretty well-known lawyer, political commentator in Indiana. Hmm. Indiana primaries. Well, um, he, he was, uh, he was fighting the, the takeover of the state by, um, well, he, he was a, he was opposed to well-connected, uh, establishment Republicans like Jeb Bush and such. The timing, look, whether you like the guy or, you know, had any opinion of the guy, it matters not. The timing is just weird. In the ruling quickly as a suicide. And I'll just share this with, with you. Many regular listeners know this story very quickly. Uh, many listeners know the story that, uh, when I attended my, uh, courses and classes for blood spatter analysis, I attended uh, classes with a, a number of law enforcement officials all across the United States. In fact, my partner, my lab partner was a detective from Taiwan. Boy, we had a real hard time understanding each other. But having said all of that, one of the uh, uh, one of the people there, one of the students there that I was taking class with, uh, a gentleman by the name of O.C. Smith. O.C. Smith was uh, two months after the class was found wrapped up in barbed wire with a bomb strapped to his chest at the morgue. He was the uh, the uh, uh, corner for Memphis and this was during the license plate uh, um, the the, the various uh, scandals that were taking place in Memphis I won't get into it but if you search, do a search on O.C. Smith uh, corner, bomb and such you'll find out what I'm talking about this has been a pattern that's been ongoing and having known O.C. Smith to the extent I did as one could possibly know someone during a period of time I can tell you this he was he was not one to uh, to fake something like this but he was deeply involved now, and I remember asking him about the license plate fiasco the identity fiasco and again if you don't know what I'm talking about this extends back into 9-11 and all of this but he would not talk about that and um, you know so when I see things like this I, I just you just have to go hmm because it doesn't matter if you if you like or agree with whoever the fact is these people are dying quickly um, also you know we do have um, 
we do have uh, uh, a chance from American Survival Wholesale on often on Tuesdays to talk about survival prep tips. Pray for him too. He's I, I want to mention this because you mentioned Stan. I forgot to do this earlier, but he's suffering. He's in a lot of pain. Uh, as well, so he didn't come on tonight. It seems like everyone's having some issues, so we give him some prayers and well wishes. That's Chance from American Survival Wholesale dot com. American Survival Wholesale dot com. Our sponsors for um, all things survival related. Good, good company. Christian owned, veteran owned company. That's American Survival Wholesale dot com. Keep them in your prayers as well. One headline. Uh, we need to pay attention to this coming out of Puerto Rico. They are set to default on $433 million payment tomorrow. Mm. They are saying that they're on the verge of catastrophic crisis in Puerto Rico. That's rather redundant, but okay. (laughs) Um, yeah, they say that uh, Puerto Rico says it will default tomorrow, begs Congress for help, or else crisis will get worse. And uh, what will be the impact here in the states? Uh, $422 million, I'm sorry. Puerto Rico's governor on Sunday said he declared a uh, mortuarium on a $422 million debt payment due Monday to the island uh government's development bank the most significant default yet for the u.s territory facing a massive economic crisis the governor uh mr padilla said in a televised speech that he signed the uh, moratorium on saturday and what he characterized as a painful decision based on inaction from u.s congress which continues to debate a legislative fix for puerto rican 70 billion dollar debt load hmm we need to watch this very carefully, very closely. Absolutely. Um, there's no doubt this will spill over to our economy. Yeah. And if that doesn't spill over to our economy, then the people will spill over to uh, this nation. But Puerto Rico is part of the U.S. So. Dur- during the break, I, I got a, I got kind of a, a communication, an odd communication. I'm going to share this with you. Uh, this is not standard it, communication from my computer no, uh, telling it no. telling you why it's <laughs> treating no. me so badly tonight. <laughs> well, it just doesn't like you. But no, this is something, folks, is very serious, and I, I would urge everyone to pay attention to my 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 source within the intelligence community, uh, who has uh, still has a lot of connections within the various branches of the federal apparatus, is telling me a couple of things. Number one. Uh, the police officers in Cleveland proper central, the city police officers are not receiving, have not been trained, have not been briefed, have not been prepared for any kind of riot control. In other words, they are going in blind. And, and this just two months prior to the RNC scheduled for July. So the, problem with this is although riot gear has been ordered the question is where will that be distributed to according to my source is it going to be distributed to the city police officers and if so are, what are they going to do with it are they, because there's no training 
that they are being provided. The question is, and the talk is, the scuttlebutt is, number one, there are organized riots already that are going to be taking place, or organized uh, chaos, if that's even possible. Organizing chaos, I guess, is possible. I don't want to make it sound like this is a... I'm not trying to make a light of this, not at all. Uh, There are events being planned in in and around Cleveland, uh, and I quote, to burn the place down. Think about that. Burn the place down. Now, the other part of this communication is to expect either, now listen carefully, to expect either federal and or military involvement on the ground. And this extends not just to the RNC, but to the DNC as well. And not just to Cleveland and the, well, not just to Cleveland and Philly, the respective cities of each convention, but to larger cities during this summer as well. The communication ends with, think Watts on steroids. I mean, a reference to the Watts riots. So just keep this in the back of your mind. It, I, I, more information has been promised. Of course, we know Cruz has dropped out now. Drudge is reporting this and others. Cruz has dropped out. Not only has Cruz dropped out, but Rance Priebus tweeted, yeah. Yes. We all need to unite and focus on defeating at Hillary Clinton. Right. Hashtag never Clinton. Then to erased it. Well, <laughs> somebody got a screen capture though. So that's pretty quick. It's not. It's not. Uh, it, 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 you might not be able to find it. I do have the the uh, screen capture. Well, saved, oh, well so. one more thing too. The, um, the and, and this does kind of fit all together. Um, even though Cruz did drop out of the race, expect the unexpected, and uh, along with that too. When, when we're talking about the false flags and different things, expect the gun, the, the legal carry gun owners and the people who are espousing, and, and you have to understand this, espousing hatred toward the homosexuals and the, and the, uh, anyone who could be termed a racist, a bigot, or a conspiratorial kind of person, a conspiracy theorist, will be the targets of, and will be blamed for any type of false flag operation. Now, it does not take any any type of intelligence, special intelligence, to really verify that. That's been their mo forever, right? However, in this particular case, given the fact that the lack of training with the municipal police officers, the fact that they know that the investigative agencies know the blocks of rooms have already been rented for protesters who intend to turn this violent. There's been ample funding for these violent protesters in the various communities, whether it be in Philadelphia or Cleveland um, and other cities, New York, Los Angeles. Um, This is not boding well for the summer. Now, whether this does happen, whether events do take place, that would warrant restrictions of mobility, travel restrictions, that remains to be seen. However, 
the word is out. People are, are being prepared and no one is doing anything about it. So we're, we are going, and, and I'm going to announce this because I do think there's a level of protection perhaps if you announce something ahead of time. Just so you know, we will be looking into investigating, conducting an investigation into who's renting like blocks of rooms, for example, in Cleveland. So we're actively doing that. And we're letting you know, putting others who are looking at us on notice, saying, yeah, this is what we're involved in, just in case we happen to not show up to the studio one day and they find our carcasses lying on the some side of the road. And uh, that, of course, I'm being, I'm being uh, humorous about. But, but the of course, is, they would know. be in our house. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My wife with a frying pan, right? As well. But, uh, no, it's just something that we have to really be careful of and, uh, and let people know that, uh, that things are not as they appear. Things are not no. as they appear. And, and you know something? That's a, that should be yeah. the takeaway from the show today because the one part, you know, the, this being the perfect storm on the horizon, uh, this world government, you know, this, uh, divide and conquer, uh, strategy but it's all all this stuff is distraction the money magic is the how they the satanic elite were able to deceive the world into becoming economic debt slaves through paper money Mm, yeah Mm -hmm. this house of cards is going to come crashing down hard um even I mean, the bible's very clear uh, about usury and about um how this w- i mean you really can see in prophecy it talks about this it talks about how the money will become worthless and then yeah, how gold and silver yes. will be worthless and it talks well, and, about now, gold and silver in the latter days be worthless I mean, the, I mean yes yes you can't buy your way no matter how much money you have it, it, none of it's going to make a difference when you know we get to the to, to the, the very end, end of this thing to the end of the end but yeah. before we get to the end you know many people often ask about you know the new world order this one world government is it going to come in and be accepted or will the old system need to be completely destroyed for it to be brought in well i I think it's i think the intent look at the that the phoenix the self-immolating phoenix i think that that gives us the 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 message that we burn it down and a new system is rises from the ashes right i mean isn't that the message of the phoenix but see no you know it's interesting that that none of the People behind the microphone in the mainstream media talk about this. Okay, the, the Limbaugh's and the Hannity's—they're they're, too—they're too focused on the 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 entertainment value of the uh, primaries and of the elections and of the, the as Greg Jackson often says, you know, an inch deep and a mile wide. I mean, it's just not none of this is being discussed yet. This we must talk about this because this is the driver of action. This all of this is the driver of action. What's taking place right now? And let me let me pop some news in here real quick because this shows, in my view, 
this speaks volumes. This is the legacy of Obama, but more importantly, this is the legacy that we have allowed, as Christians have allowed to take place. New York City, White House, poised to create the first monument to the homosexual rights struggle. Now think about this. A monument is being erected. Obama is poised to declare the first ever national monument recognizing the struggle for homosexual rights. He picked out a sliver of green space in part of the surrounding Greenwich Village neighborhood as the birthplace of Americans of America's modern homosexual liberation movement. Now, if you remember, or if you know the history, you folks, you've got to get the history of this, because it's so important. Where this monument is going to be placed is a dedication. Well, where this monument is going to be placed is the site of the Stonewall Inn riots. Do you remember or have you heard, are you aware of those riots that lasted for six days? They began in the early morning of June 28, 1969. Police raided the Stonewall Inn. And the Stonewall Inn, this was a hedonistic, wow, place. Yeah, it's still in operation today, but not quite like it was back then. Um, this was a place of hedonistic activity, and it's just it was just bizarre. But it's interesting that Obama is putting up this monument for homosexual rights at the very site of the Stonewall Inn celebrating the Stonewall riots back in June of 1969 you've got to understand that that um what these were about these were these were wikipedia will tell you that this this was a series of spontaneous violent demonstrations by members of the LGBT community back in 69 that that resulted from a police raid that took place uh solely you know from this raid and it was spontaneous no 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 understand the process in fact a book that explains in greater detail if you ever want the true story about this is the homosexual agenda by alan sears and craig olston they talk about these riots they they reference what happened and the organization behind it and the seduction even now, the seduction of corporate America and the acquiescence of the uh, Christian church and how the election of 2004 and before those elections before and after ushered in what we're seeing today and the family being under attack and so on. So understand what we're seeing today. This is kind of like a a candle atop a birthday cake or that party hat. Oh, I better not go there. You know what I was... Never mind. I'm not going to go there. Shameful. Even worse than the 9-11 memorial. Hmm. All right. Wow. A lot of news happening here. A lot of important stuff. And and people don't understand, folks, uh, how important this is. Um, 
this is mocking God, mocking God. Yeah, it, absolutely. Um, I'm going to reserve my thoughts on that for if no, we have time fine. at the end of the that's show fine. because I have uh, I was reading about the Bible today and uh, I came across something you know uh, reading over the commandments and it's something that uh, you know the, the fourth commandment the, the Sabbath keeping the Sabbath holy yes yes and I was reading about Protestantism versus Catholicism and a little bit of the history there sure and learning different things you know from Martin Luther nailing the his letter on the, the door of the church yes the, the thesis the, yes, yes. Yeah. yep and the question that came to my mind you know Protestantism was supposed to be a change uh, back to only the written words of the Bible meaning you know forgetting all the traditions of men getting back to the basics and, and the commandments of God. Right, right. Why then did they stop short in not instituting the true Sabbath day, Saturday, as the Sabbath, instead keeping Sunday as the Sabbath, which is sun worship day, which was uh, when Rome converted to a Christian Nation, they kept a lot of their pagan traditions. And what they did with the Sabbath day, as it says in the Bible, he will seek to change times and laws and days, dates. They changed the Sabbath. And a lot of, I mean, no, no Christian church, I mean, the seven day Adventists hold to the true Sabbath and very few Christians and uh, Judaism does too. I think those are the only two. But why does the rest of the church not keep that commandment? And I know a lot of us don't go to churches anymore. So that would, you know, come upon you. You know, what? how do you spend your your time on Saturday, do you uh, take your time? Do you worship the Lord and recognize that it is His Sabbath? And if not, why? And I'm asking myself these questions myself as, as well as to the listeners out there. But more importantly, back to the point of the Protestant versus Catholic, why the... Why the change in such, you know, radical change towards the, all the right precepts of God, all the precepts of God that are the right way, but ignoring this such important commandment? I mean, just take the Sabbath out of it and, and switch it for another commandment. We'll say murder, you know, something like that, killing somebody. It's like they adopted all the right went back to the basics and tried to follow all the commandments and all all the Lord's precepts, except they ignored killing people. They just went around and then all of them killed, you know, whenever they wanted, whoever they wanted. Or, you know, it, it doesn't make sense to me. And that's just my own personal uh, thought for the day. When I hit this piece of news, I think this is very important. 
the convergence of medicine and Internet of Things will change healthcare forever. In a way, modern medicine has become a victim of its own success. In the past, uh, many have been cured as our understanding of nutrition, sanitation, and genetics improves. The result is far longer lives. For the first time in history, we're approaching a point where there are more elderly people than children on Earth. So the implications for the health care systems are immense. As the population ages, the profile of illness has shifted from infectious diseases like tuberculosis and chronic diseases such as cancer and heart disease. The ailments are much more expensive to treat. Many can't be cured. Soaring costs and shortages of doctors in the U.S. alone shows a 90,000 uh, less doctors in 2025 than there is today. Well, don't uh, match this up, uh, please, because part and parcel to this, with this aging, aging population, I don't know how many people understand or, or know or expect. If you have enrolled in Obamacare through the marketplace, if that's you out there, think about what Joe just said, too, okay, um, and combine it with this. You're about, well, not really about to, but uh, uh, about a week before the general elections, you are going to be hit with the largest increase, premium increase, yeah, in in history. And this is going to hit the younger people. Yes, and, and old. Well, the younger people are going to have to carry it on uh, right. carry it on their backs for the old codgers like me, because the their premiums monthly don't won't cover half of their regular care. While the younger people, you know, don't see doctors regularly, but will be paying like <laughs> they're basically bedridden. Well, yeah, it, it, but we need that. We need to really be focusing on what's going to what we're going to be seeing in, in the weeks running up to the general election, because uh, these proposed rate hikes, they're just now starting to appear, and many insurance carriers uh, are not. They're losing money. They need to make money, or this Obamacare really is 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 doomed and, and should have been doomed from the start but then again you look at how it was implemented and who implemented and, and of course the whole process you know you it answers a lot of questions but the bottom line here is um those people who failed to be covered last year in tax year 2015 when they filed their taxes due a this past april 15th or april 18th uh experienced their first full real penalty and uh, I personally know people who have been hit with that. 350, I think, or the, the greater of 350 or a percentage of the income. But now, and again, we must understand what we're about to see. The hammer is going to drop. And right before the election, the general election, um, and even maybe even a week or two or three or even a month maybe before November, I'll say late September of this year, Maybe the end of the third quarter. I, I don't know with with precision, but there will be an announcement or a series of announcements that will 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 absolutely take this Affordable Care Act to new levels. Yeah, combine the, it with what you said. This Internet of Things, as I've talked about in the past, um, this is what the article says about. It goes on to say how the uh, Internet of Things is and what all that it's promised. 
of the Internet of Things, and its effect on medicine is perhaps most important and personal. It says the Internet of Things and technology, health-related, up 40%, uh, more than any other category, making up a $117 billion market. The conversions of medicine and information technologies, medical informatics, will transform healthcare as we know it, curbing costs and reducing inefficiencies and saving lives. Now, also on Drudge, there's a headline that recently popped up there today about how uh, 250,000 or more deaths in the U.S. every year are due to, to medical error. And it's no mistake that these, you're going to start seeing more and more of these. And it's not wrong what they're saying, but they're, they're taking statistics and what they're doing is putting drug overdoses in that category. Not accidental. Or, or I mean, I guess they're taking non-prescription drug overdoses. They're taking things that happen outside of hospitals and they're pumping up the, the statistics of, uh, deaths due to medical mistakes right right this is is a big story this is all reason uh more for what they're rolling out and they say basically it it sounds pretty basic the electronic health record system is a game changer in less than a decade an ink and paper system of managing records going back thousands of years is will be digitized and replaced yep the paper records written with questionable penmanship uh, will be done with. Everything will be digital uh, and will easily be shared on the cloud. Um, It goes on to say, also accessible to physicians and researchers are an entirely new stream of data providers by sensors or smart medical devices. One of the major challenges to implementing the Internet of Things is that though the devices now have sensors to collect data, they often talk with the server in their own language. Manufacturers have their own proprietary protocols, which means sensors may differ or make different. Makers can't necessarily speak with each other. So one transmitter and receiver by one company doesn't mean uh, their transmitter can read what another company's chip is saying. But anyway, when they roll this thing out, it's not going to be different companies and different chips. It's going to be one. Well, and the, yeah, we, that's we, what they go on to say here that they're going to uh, that there are companies popping up to bridge the communication gap between these devices, sensors, embedded sensors, and the language they speak. It uploads to a secure cloud. It's an end-to-end solution that is uh, scalable and totally customizable, adapting all the codes to from different platforms to one universal platform. Now, that goes on to explain how EHR or electronic health records will save a lot of money, but it goes on to say that it can also unlock the secrets of our genetics. Truly, making truly personalized medicine possible, precision medicine, as it's called, is a term you'll no doubt be hearing about often in the coming years, and it begins with uh, genomics. And yes, precision medicine, if you go to healthit.gov, it's one of the main um, uh, staples they have on their on their website. Uh, they call it, I think, PRI, uh, the Precision Med- Medicine Initiative, and there's all these guidances you can print out if you want to read them. But <clears throat> to, to boil us down to get to the point, 
what they say they can do is genetically map you and they can see what you're predisposed to and work towards fixing uh, predispositions to cancer or diseases like Parkinson's. So their goal is to be able to fully map an individual's genome in a single day, a process that currently takes hundreds of hours of computing time. Using this information, they can craft a course of treatment um, to that person's genes and environment, paving the way for truly preci- precision healthcare, perhaps the next miracle of medicine. But there's one thing that is always left out of these articles dealing with personalized healthcare and precision medicine and medical devices. Right. And it goes back to the paper on the UN I was reading, the uh, Transforming Our World 2030, which is that they are forming a collective community. Yes, they are. Where all people will be expected to do their part to promote physical and mental health and well-being to extend life expectancy for all, we all, and for universal health coverage, no one must be left behind. We commit to accelerating the progress made to date in reducing newborn children, mental mortality, they go through statistics here, but when they say no one is left behind, they mean no one will be able to function in their society without uh, adapting to the transhumanism aspect and the transhumanism aspect we'll just say the internet of things the mark of the beast the the chip because that's what they're they're rolling out and they say this is the the answer to all the problems economic as well uh the healthcare ties into the economic and all people are going to have to work together towards you know one with one mind towards one goal and that's what they're they're rolling out here, um, and you're going to see this fight go on until it is. I mean, it's already law, and the implementation date has been rolled back a few times. It's set for January first, twenty eighteen. And yeah, I, I think it's very possible that it could be ushered in before that. It could given, be given, given, uh, given the right circumstances. Yep, absolutely. And, and, and you know. Here's something, folks. You, with all of the bluster, okay, Joe's talking about the Internet of Things and about how things are going to be electronically connected. And here we are tonight of all nights, uh, the, the night of the Indiana primary, and, of course, Cruz not dropping out of the race. All of these things taking place at the same time. But let me ask, let me ask this question. Remember, we had, you know, given some coverage, but because of the guests and, so, and such, we, we didn't give much coverage. But think back to the White House Correspondents' Dinner. We know, we know that the people in power, the, the people like the, the Luciferian elite, the power brokers, they like to tell us what they're going to do. They use symbology and, and, and mm-hmm. cryptic messages, right? Predictive programming. Right. But but think about some things. Now, uh, of course, the big news, and we even covered it in this fashion where that comedian was was just rotten, basically. But have you analyzed the messages of Obama in the, and this might A seem few. pretty out yeah. there, okay? On, on April 30th, this past Saturday, Obama 
at, during the White House Correspondents' Dinner, his last dinner now, made some, And maybe the last dinner. Well, see... Maybe the last correspondence. Exactly. Now, now think about this. Because the death of the republic never looked so good. Exactly. Now, now he, think about the statements that he made. It's an honor to be here at my last, perhaps the last, White House correspondence dinner. Why? Why mention the last? What prompted him to, to, to do that? These are not ad-libbed for the most part. There's a lot of scripting going on here. Now, he also said, and Joe, you referenced this earlier too, the end of the republic has never looked better as in the end of America. And the, what does that portend? Okay. And during that speech, 31 minutes, you, you, you earlier said, did you watch it all? Yeah, yeah. He kept bringing up, uh, what was the theme, the constant theme? The words, the end. This is the last year in office, the end of the presidency, uh, the beginning of change to come, okay? But it was all about the end, the end, the end, the end, the end. And um, uh, he even mentioned staying in D.C. for a few years after his presidency period. <laughs> uh, how many... He made a joke about yeah. Golden Sachs, too. Yeah, yeah. There, I believe... There are some things that we should take a look at. Take a, take a really good hard look at. Because, um, this dinner, when did it take place? It was on the 50th anniversary of the Church of Satan. And, and the day before the 240th anniversary of the birth of the, or of the Illuminati and the Feast of uh, Beltane. Okay. So, um, you're looking at this and, or we should be looking at this and covering information that other people aren't covering. This is some good stuff here. This is information that that carries, I believe, some interesting weight to it, given the fact that here's a guy that's been read in and has his hand on the steering wheel. And, you know, is he going to crash the car into the bridge abutment, or is he going to drive it off the cliff, or is he going to put it in the parking space, get out and leave, or not? And um, some pretty interesting things there. And, of course, you've got, consistent with the dates in April, you've got the, um, we had talked about the uh, the arch in London, of course, you know, there have been yeah. some changes of all, you know, made with all this, but, but hey, dates change. You know, I found some don't. interesting, uh, I'm gonna have to go back tomorrow, or tonight, whatever, and I, I won't be able to show you till tomorrow. Um, but you know, in, in New York City, in Washington Square Park. Yes. You know how they have those big archways? Oh, yes, yes, yes. We've been there. Been well, there. I, I saw something interesting on, on the London 7-7 bombing on a video I was watching mm-hmm. today that dealt with the arches. But it didn't because it was a video from years ago. <laughs> it's really strange, but um, right. There's something to this. There's something more to this that we're not seeing. Well, okay. One must ask the question: Why now? I, I, we we look. We understand. For example, the alleged the ostensible purpose of these arches, and you know the um, 
and Arthur Murray Kadisa has done a great job in summarizing this. But I mean, basically, we have this whole land is full of, uh, you know, pagan deities, Freemasonry, and and other Id- uh, idols, and you know, even the Mount Rushmore. Even though it has men's presidents' faces on it, that's still an idol. Well, okay, by definition, yeah, I, I suppose, but you know, the Washington Monument. Mean, yeah, we I, have. It's not like uh, bringing in a couple of archways and is going to change. Well, wait a second now. Could these archways be indicators, be, though? Portals, even a welcoming mat for Satan, welcome signs for the Antichrist. I mean, or you know something, something I thought about? Ask the question. You know, what if it's. Um, you know, some something for ritual purposes of when they usher in the new, you know, this new utopian society of of you know walking through your to your uh, new world. Yeah, as they march people through there who are uh, conforming and becoming part of their society. I don't know. There, there could be a million and one different evil reasons why they do this. But I'll tell you this: I'm a bet. I'll bet you anything that not one of them is good. They don't have any good reasons why. Well, exactly. And, you know, it's interesting because when we go to, when, when we meet people, we, we've, uh, Joe and I have met, um, of, of course, you know, Paul McGuire and, and, uh, people like Derek and Sharon Gilbert, for example. And it's interesting because, uh, uh, Derek and Sharon Gilbert talk about the transhumanism, the, the Internet of Things, the, the bio, Technical aspect of things, the same uh, things that you're researching, but they also talk about uh, um, numbers of other things um, that include, for example, um, health issues. Uh, I, I know now I'm kind of going off here a little bit, but the reason I mention them is because. What we're seeing today, whether it's the arches of Palmyra, the, uh, as a welcome mat perhaps for the Antichrist, or whether it's the Internet of Things, you know, all of this, uh, these dates of the events, the strange wordings at the White House Correspondents' Dinner, all of these things combined. Folks, we're looking at some pretty strange times here. And I don't believe that these are, these events, are, are are haphazard. They're they're planned. Compare what we're seeing to the events at the Vatican, and um, even ushering in this so-called taking make America back, making America great again. Does that include, for example, taking our morality back, or is that a spiritual rebirth and reckoning and uh, repentance, or is that merely the hubris of man talking? And I understand the will to make the nation great again. I completely understand that. But what about the spiritual renewal that is so necessary for this country? I don't think that uh, I don't think that includes that. And but, you know, one of Donald Trump's uh, one of the things he he talks about himself in business is, is how he makes deals. I think he authored a book about that. Sure, they are making the yeah the art of the deal. I believe it's called. Well, um, if he becomes president, Palestine is. and Israel 
will he be able to make the deal? You know, very interesting question. Is that not the epitome of, of wouldn't that be the deal of, of, of the millennia? <laughs> you know? I mean, he has said and expressed uh, his backing and support of Israel. But you just never know. I mean, who knows? We just have to be really careful as Christians. And, and this comes from at least my, my my experience as an investigator. You know, there is the perception, and then there's the reality that propels that perception. And oftentimes they don't mesh; they're not the same thing. So while we are looking at the, the potentially a change, obviously a change that would enhance, for example, our borders and our national security, at what cost? Especially if that same change does not include, for example, uh, an acknowledgement and, and uh, you know, uh, our, our creator and our divine uh, existence here, to our divine existence, uh, re- a repentance for previous sins and such. Um, no one's talking about that. No one is talking about that. And it's something we need to have a discussion on. We as adults, and especially we as Christians, need to have a discussion about this. That's my, that's my, that's, otherwise, what are we, what are we doing? I mean, at the end of the day, and Kurt Schilling said this yesterday, I mean, if, if we don't acknowledge any of this, what's, what's it all for? To what end? Yeah, so, it's a big deal. All this going down, well, in Washington State, this is a story we reported on a few weeks ago, is having the largest, our largest nuclear waste storage site in the United States has been and is currently leaking. Yes. And thousands of gallons of radioactive waste are estimated to have leaked at a Manhattan Project-era nuclear storage tank in Washington State triggering an alarm and causing a former worker to label it as catastrophic. The leak comes as 20 workers were sent for medical evaluations after inhaling chemical vapors in the vicinity of the leaking nuclear waste tank, which has been transferred. This, see, this is not limited to, in my view, well, I shouldn't say in my view, this, based on... um, uh, in, in communications I've received, there are problems with nuclear power plants throughout the country. Now, Stan Dale has yeah. alluded to this. So it's not just limited to the Pacific Northwest in this instance. We have, and uh, Ted Brower talked about what's going on in, in Florida with that power plant. We have power plants. The if, well, I suppose if you consider part of our infrastructure, this eroding infrastructure, that includes the nuclear power plants, putting us all at risk. And, of course, as Stan Dale talks about, the power plants built on fault lines, it's just a matter of time before something unspeakable happens here in the United States. You're right. And it's only going to get worse. Yeah, it is. As you said, the one in, in down in Florida in Miami, uh, that is leaking. There's one in New York State that is having issues and now this one in Washington state the largest storage site for nuclear waste in the country 
is, has a, a catastrophic or has a d- devastating leak, which the worker there deemed catastrophic. Mm. And with Fukushima going on, we see all the volcanoes that continue to be popping up and the earthquakes that are increasing. Um, Bill Salas talks about Iran and the big nuclear power plant they have on one of their major fault lines. Here we have the same thing on the New Madrid uh, and other fault lines in America uh, along the West Coast where there are nuclear power plants. So think about That's just right. a few right, a few earthquakes with the right magnitude at the at two or three different locations. That's I mean, right. we're probably already all half dead from radiation anyway in the northern hemisphere. Well, why don't we get nuked at the airports as well? Let's just go ahead willingly and, and get the full body scan there. <laughs> hey, tomorrow night, open lines. No. Open phone lines. Yes, yeah. Wild Wednesday. Folks, do us a favor, if you can. Uh, first-time callers, please call in. Uh, try to be as succinct as possible. Yeah, we want to hear from, yeah. from new people. We want to hear... Uh, even if you don't have anything to say, just call and say hi. Well, no, no, come on. you got to have something to say, especially in this news-rich environment that we have. Folks, it's been a pleasure being with you. Thank you so much. Really, from those people sending us emails from Europe, Australia, New Zealand, Canada, here in the United States, and all across the world, thank you so much for tuning in. Until tomorrow, Doug and Joe, we are out of here. Thank you so much. Global Star Radio Network, BTR. And, of course, tomorrow night, see you on YouTube. Eric, get well. Stan, get well. This is the Global Stock.